Okay, well, I am... Uh, I don't know. Movies are just like a nuisance to me lately. <laughs> I don't right. know why. I, I feel similarly. I look forward to this conversation no matter what, but I'm like, oh, I gotta watch movies. Like, uh, well, the Oscars would, didn't help. Yeah, what would we talk about, though? If we'd have, right. You know, would no, we it's just a good give framework. each other a call to be like, hey, friend. I mean, that's absurd. How's it, I would never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I think it's a good framework for us, and I think it's yes, great. And we're we're going to hit a hundred episodes before you know it, I my know, friend. I know. But some, t- I just feel like there are there are heights, there are times when it's like, oh, we saw good movies four weeks in a row, yep. and then there's times like now when I'm just like, uh, do I have to? I'm going to see Together Together this week. What's that? Ed Helms. It's really really well reviewed, like ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I've never heard of it. I'm well, that's it's, promising. It's promising, but I'm like, do I have to go? I don't know. So it'll it'll turn around. It's just right now it's grim. And the only movies I have to talk about, uh, I don't know about you, but um, I have Voyagers, uh-huh. which I'm really hoping that you caught up with. I did. Oh, good. And uh, and Jacob's wife. Yeah, same. All right, so that I mean, we have the other one that we won't speak of because we talked last time about not wanting to deal with it because it's a homework movie, and I still feel that way. So, <laughs> unless you wanna, want to, no, I don't want to look through the cast list. I don't want to try to say who played right, who. Right, I, right. I've already forgotten what happened, except that it's genocide. Quo vadis Ida is is it, it? Look, look at what it is. Look at the trailer. It's yeah. excellent, but look and decide for yourself if that's what you up for, are up for for the next two hours. Yeah, uh, it's worth it if you are. It's not if you're not. Boom, well done. done. <laughs> so, uh, do we want to just? I mean, the the big news, of course, of the day, more so than any of these yeah. movies, is the ceremony last the night. Oscars last honoring night. the movies. I know. So I will say from the be- at the beginning, I was into it. I was unexpectedly moved at the thought that they're trying to do this and they're trying to make it look legit and you know whatever we think about the the set or whatever precautions they had in place i thought oh it it feels like a relief to me to see the show on its feet and happening and in a in a semi normal way and I had a really good first hour with my predictions. That's you sure did. Happened. You nailed it. You know? Yeah, it was that was great. Um, <laughs> I and I sort of even liked how they were letting people drone on and on with their speeches. That's very unusual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I liked that they didn't have a host. I liked that there wasn't a you know shtick for most of the ceremony. It felt like it was moving right along. Like they had done eleven or twelve awards by the ninety minute mark. Like right on track. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it. Um. And then there were the really bad mistakes yeah. that began happening. So the first of them to me was putting best director so early. Yeah. Um, because that was a historic win. And mm-hmm. I feel like its impact was cut off in the knee on at the knees so early in the show. Um that Chloe Zhao is the second woman, first woman of color to win. And she also, you know, wrote the movie, edited the movie and that she was able to make an adaptation that is such a departure from the source material fascinates me that she created this character of, of Fern to be the, the person we, we follow to meet the nomads. 
um, and have her be the emotional center of the thing. That's really, that's really something for an adaptation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really a huge achievement. Um, and especially seeing that Nomadland was winning nothing else throughout the night, like when it lost cinematography to Mank and people were kind of shocked by that, that could have made Best Picture a real nail biter had yeah. director and the acting prizes been last because mm-hmm. Nomadland would have won nothing up to the final moments. That's kind of a interesting mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. But that's not what happened. So director, do it early, whatever. I mean, there really wasn't much suspense in the outcome. I give them that, that mm-hmm. she was she was going in winning. Um, what what did you think of say the first half? Yeah, I think I'm right with you. I was digging it. I mean, it's the Oscars. I'm never like hooting and hollering. It, it, you just watch it because it's obligatory and you see how they do. But I think given the restrictions, given the weirdness, uh, and it is weird and the location is weird, but they did. There's a feeling like I, this was a weird one because apart from the the circumstances and the COVID and everything, um, and I think they nailed all that stuff as far as who's there and who's who feels like they're putting on the show and who's winning, everything felt right for that first half. Like Mm -hmm, it's just go, it's chugging along. It's predictable, nothing exciting, but it's right. There's still that weird sinister feeling that like the overlords are still in charge, but they're at least putting the right stuff on screen and the right stuff is kind of happening. And um, I, I like that there were less bits, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's weird that they got rid of the acting clips. That's the one part I think you want to see those Oscar clips. And, and, th- for, and for folks who did not make it to the theater or really follow what the Oscar movies are, which are most people in America this year, they don't have much context for what right. the movies even are that are being honored. Yeah. Yeah. They still managed to go as just about as long as any Oscar ceremony I can remember, though, despite fewer bits, fewer montages, and then a weirdly rushed ending that we'll talk about. Um, it, it was still 1130 when I was logging yeah. off and going to bed. I felt they just can't like, get it in short, I guess. Right. I felt like the show was losing steam. And then that trivia thing was a nightmare that the show couldn't recover from because everyone was tired. The mm-hmm. room didn't have a lot of energy. No one was feeling that segment. And and everyone just wanted the show to be done, right? You're lo- you, we were on a good trajectory. And then it kind of just stopped. Yeah. There hadn't been a lot of surprises up to that point. I think that Manx's cinematography win had been the only real surprise. Uh, most everything else was conventional wisdom with the precursors. And then Best Picture, okay, that, that wasn't a surprise, really. But nobody had won very much. I think movies had won one or two Oscars. There wasn't a runaway leader last night. It was really spread around. And then those acting prizes in the end. So if I would have had it to do over again, it seemed clear that they weren't going to give both of the acting prizes to Ma Rainey when it didn't get a Best Picture nomination. They don't like it that much. So I figured one of those leads isn't going to win, at least, right? And if it wasn't going to be Chadwick Boseman, it was obviously going to be Anthony Hopkins because his buzz has been growing in the last couple weeks. I think that was a closer race. So had I, if I had it to do over again, and I was going to think that one of them wasn't going to win, I probably would have predicted Anthony Hopkins to win instead and kept Viola Davis and been wrong there. Instead, I kept Chadwick Boseman and went with Carrie Mulligan. Um, But Best Actress is such a mess. Who knows who could have won? But I really didn't expect it to be Frances McDormand. That was was a surprise for me. Um, 
though I do like her performance, I think it was just surprising that she is she now has three lead Oscars at a relatively young age. Um, right. won her won her fourth as the producer of the film itself, the first person I believe to win a first woman at least to win for um, best picture for a movie she acted in. And she's excellent, and it's deserved, but it was also such a surprise of like, oh, again, her? Right. That it also set up an even bigger face plant for the final Right. I feel, I feel like any other nominee would have brought more ex- winning Best Actress might have brought mm-hmm. more excitement than that outcome, mm-hmm. where Viola Davis finally gets a lead um, Oscar, or Carrie Mulligan pulls through kind of out of nowhere, out of love for Promising Young, young Woman. Andra Day had a lot of precursor stats in her favor. Like every actress in the last 20 years who won the Oscar also won the Globe, and that's her, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, no uh, no best actor or best actress um, who has been nominated at uh, Indie Spirits and who would eventually win the Oscar has ever lost there. So there are a lot of things going for Andra Day. And that was kind of new and exciting. And she's also obviously a black actress and that hasn't happened since um, Halle Berry. Hmm. And so, oh, Frances McDormand, thir- <laughs> third lead Oscar um, white woman doesn't need it herself, doesn't care about it. Right. <laughs> you know, huh? <laughs> the eighth Oscar in the McDormand co- uh, Cohen yes. home and probably none of them <laughs> desired Right. No. All of them curiosities to them. They don't care at all. Like right. I, that's kind of what I love about Frances McDormand, right? But mm. that's exactly what kind of wasn't very exciting in the moment for for the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have that kind of what the hell moment right before the ultimate one, um, like Anthony Hopkins, that 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 movie was released late, and more and more people are getting on board with his performance and he won the BAFTA and every secret Oscar ballot said, Oh, Chadwick's winning, but I voted for Anthony Hopkins. Like this was a very possible outcome. This wasn't a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can't believe that the producers took that gamble if they hadn't already known the outcome. Right. Because clearly they wanted a big Chadwick Boseman moment. And I think it would have been great, but then who do they send out to hold the moment? Joaquin Phoenix, possibly of all the presenters they had, right. the most person. He's anxious. He's awkward. He doesn't like doing this. He's not good at it. And they send him out to hold what ends up being a colossal embarrassment. Right. And I didn't notice the lack of the of the clips, the acting clips, until someone pointed it out on Twitter Twitter earlier in the in the in the ceremony. And I was like, oh yeah, because I didn't notice because there was. The, the time was filled with Laura Dern or whoever addressing each of the nominees. And sometimes right. that felt awkward. And I didn't think, I think like Keith Stanfield made a face. I don't think he liked what right. was said to him, but anyway, it was interesting. He didn't, he dispensed with that. So by the time you get to Phoenix, right. he's just saying the names and it was right. like, Oh God, there's nothing to like, there's no drama. There's right. no tension. There's bad tension. I mean, whatever. That yeah. was a decision that they made. I feel like especially in this year when people just weren't familiar with the movies, you know, finding out, I don't know, that Vanessa Kirby used to work at her local movie theater, right. you know, was was not was not as helpful to the viewers <laughs> mm-hmm. as maybe a clip from her film. Right. Um, whatever. It's just a choice they made. Mm-hmm. But then having of all people win instead of Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, who's not there 
And <laughs> so it's just, we're going to accept on his behalf. We have no host to finish us up. It's just over. That trajectory was so bad. The yeah. best picture was over. People were a little flummoxed by best actress. Jaw dropped at best actor. And then it was just over. Was and somebody, I, felt, I felt bad. Yeah. I wonder, was somebody like positioned to accept on Bo- on Bozeman's behalf? Would they, we have actually got flew his widow there? Oh, and yeah. because of like the way they did it, like a movie set, it's like, oh, all these COVID tests and mm-hmm. testing on the way in and all these precautions and whatever. So like you fly the the widow here in a pandemic. And of course, it's her choice. Mm-hmm. She's not guaranteed a win. But they clearly positioned the category in such a way that they expected it. Um, it would have been better had you know best actor and actress come before best director let's say mm-hmm. so that we could you know process that it's not like anthony hopkins performance was you know not great it was wonderful it it it's a deserved win mm-hmm. um but it shouldn't have been last especially not under these circumstances when what they were so transparently trying to do failed so badly and that was the note that the evening ended on yeah yeah so the closest thing to like, I mean, there were there were moments that were triumphant and, and good in the earlier wins, yeah. but not like huge. But at the, in the end, as far as a climax, the closest we got was Glenn Close doing the bud. Right, right. And that that was great. She's awesome, and that was hilarious and whatever. But it felt a little staged. I think that was probably that was ahead of time. that was arranged. The others yeah. seemed like maybe they weren't. And mm-hmm. you know, Andre Day telling no lies, like I I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed that, but I didn't like the segment. It was awkward and nobody was feeling it. Nobody wanted to do it. And we just needed to keep on moving. And this after that end memoriam that there was no time even to read the name. Like it was so fast. And I thought, what if, what if we had taken an extra two minutes away from that trivia game and Mm -hmm. slowed down the, the and there was something political going on with the length of certain names versus others. Yes. You could not read a whole name on some of those cards. Yes. So there, like, there's now conspiracies, and because Nomadland is a Disney property, and you know, there's Marvel and Disney ties, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, oh, we need to prop up the the Marvel Disney people at the end for these big moments, but then it didn't work. I guess if they managed to accomplish anything, it was to prove that nobody saw the results of the of the awards in advance because mm-hmm. if they'd seen the contents of that final envelope, I think they would have rearranged the evening. This it's not, it's all in just style and just kind of the roll of the dice. It's not like, um, it's not green book egregious. And I know no. you're a little bit of a green book, not a defender, I wouldn't say, but you weren't yeah. as, as hard on green books. No. People. But uh, that a lot of people felt like the, was the wrong winner. This I feel like every winner was very deserving this year. It was yeah. just baffling how some of it rolled out. The one that that I think people, a lot of people, a lot of people I follow on Twitter were like, uh, when they, uh, what documentary, the octopus documentary, they mm-hmm. were like, oh boy. <laughs> I yeah. don't seem to think the worst one won. Yeah, I, I sort of felt like, well, of course the Academy goes for that. That, that just seems like a, a consensus choice where I think of thousands of people voting for five nominees. Mm-hmm. What is the one that most people liked the best? And I feel like something like that. Yeah. Um, like I should have gone there with uh, Colette. I, I, should, I thought it was too cliche for them to give it to a Holocaust subject, right? 
Yeah. I thought maybe they've moved past that. Maybe even the Academy has become self-conscious of that. Hmm. And I'd heard such great things about Concerto. I was like, I'll chance it. But they they went with what you'd expect them to go with. Um, the only real surprise of the evening to me was um, cinematography and to a lesser degree, best actress. Hmm. But but everything was within the realm of possibility. Hmm. You know, yeah. not it, this was all a production problem. It wasn't... It wasn't a winner problem. I saw someone right. said of uh, Soderbergh's <laughs> vision. Mm-hmm. They're like, it started out as Ocean's Eleven and ended as Solaris. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's the Oscars, and it's certainly memorable, I guess. But uh... USA Today uh, touted Regina George's opening monologue and then had to take it down. Oh, boy. Right. <laughs> What was that? Wow. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Anything else on it? I, I I gave myself a list of the winners, but I don't even know if that's. No, I mean, I, I feel fine. like, yeah, everything was, was fine. The, the final rundown, it, it's like who, who won the most? Was it, um, was it Nomadland with three? Did any other movie get three? Uh, good question. Sound of Metal 2. Yeah, The Father 1, 2. Mank 1, 2. Soul 1, 2. Ma Rainey 1, 2. Yeah, I guess it's Nomad Like it was, it was a really spread out year. And like had someone else won Best Actress, as kind of we thought it would happen, Nomadland only would have won 2. We, we expected the third one to be in cinematography. Mm-hmm. So Mank won more Oscars than Citizen Kane. Yes. Yeah. Well, that seems appropriate. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, speaking of, I was going to say the movies that we have to talk about now seem ancient news to me. Yep. Speaking of that, and one more thing about the Oscars, when they said last year's winner, Laura Dern, I had to do like a little calculation. And I said, wait, marriage story? That's like a decade ago, right? Right. That's yep. that's so far away. <laughs> yeah, it was last year. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, I feel that way about Voyagers. I had a lot of hot takes about Voyagers the night I saw it. And now I'm like trying to, I'm going to call it up and see. Um, I'm going to use your uh, advice and use Wikipedia, except I typed Wikimedia, which is probably hmm. something different. It's, it's just cleaner. goes by topic. Except that I can't. Okay, I can't get my little. Oh, that's why I have these little shortcuts built in, and then I can't remember them, and they don't work. So what's the why point? is the poster like these two naked people? I know. All right. That, so did that even happen in the movie? Yes. I mean, so no, they were in underwear because it's a PG thirteen YA movie at oh. the end of the day. But um, I think I fell asleep in, during that part. They were in bed in the middle. Um, I don't even remember the characters' names. All right, I got to go to. Oh, I did Voyager, which that's got to disambiguate that. Hmm. Voyager's film. Okay. Voyagers is a 2021 American science fiction film written and directed by Neil Berger. The film stars Ty Sheridan, Lily Rose Depp, Fionn, Fionn Whitehead? I thought his name was Finn Whitehead. I guess I'm, I'm... Oh, there it is, Fionn. Oh, that guy. Yeah, Fionn Whitehead. Colin Farrell, uh, he was... In The Gentleman, uh, right? Colin Farrell's in The Gentleman, yes. Okay. 
Yes. Uh, Fionn Whitehead. He's he was the. I'm just trying to place him in the movie. Is he the villain? Is he? Yeah, he's the villain. He's Zach. Zach, oh. the Lego maniac. So we've got like a Christ figure. Oh, male protagonist with lighter hair right. and then we've got someone with a z the end of the alphabet you know <laughs> right. evil evil yeah and then a, a an empty-headed um woman to right. save right uh oh. yeah so this movie all right so i saw the trailer for this movie which is basically a bunch of stuff from the first half of it that makes it look like it's going to be a bonkers over the top sex romp in space. And then that stuff in the trailer turns out to be the only stuff like that. And the rest of it is just kids having fights in the, in the cafeteria and having this like, uh, you know, this uh, power struggle um, Lord of the flies thing. Uh, YA story. in Very space. Twilighty. Yeah. And it's all based on, um, you know, don't touch her. You're touching her. Oh, don't touch me. And and so basically these kids, all right, it's a science fiction story. And uh, it's about humanity who has to leave Earth and they find a new inhabitable planet. But the mission to even get there to, to uh, whatever, terraform, investigate, will take 86 years. So they need to raise the, ch- the, the children who will go on this mission in isolation so they will not uh have a problem living on a spaceship and then their grandchildren will be the ones to actually settle or even just you know meet this planet so that's your premise you've got colin farrell as the kind of guy overseeing the project and the children and he decides to go with them even though that was against protocols originally they make an exception and he goes and then uh circumstances transpire and the kids are teenagers, sexy teenagers, and then all of the intensity begins. So they they realize that they're being fed the the blue this this uh, medicated beverage that keeps them docile and keeps them calm. They begin to re- some of them refuse to take it, and then they awaken. Their hormones awaken. They uh, lust after each other. They wrestle each other. They fight. They run down endless corridors. Meanwhile, there's a, a noise that, that that they believe is an alien. There's an alien somewhere in the walls of the spaceship that becomes important later for some really heavy-handed uh, allegorical whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Dan, I wanted this movie to be... I kind of... It was one of those ones where you see the trailer and you're like, no thanks. And then, of course, it just ends up being the only new movie or you're like, well, you know what? It's going to be a good discussion or whatever. And so I knew I had to see it. And I really wanted it to be bonkers. And some of the the, the editing, quick editing to shots of tigers ripping apart zebras and like flowers, you know, decaying natural born killers style. Like it just it, it kind of hints that it's going to be this crazy unleashed movie. And then I felt like after an opening act with some of that dark stuff uh, foreshadowing, it just really devolves into YA tripe. I yeah, I yeah, I felt I felt that way. It appalled me enough most throughout most of it to keep me from being bored. There, there's just kind of a weirdness to it that I was like, huh, that I was interested in it. It, it wasn't a, it wasn't you know, it wasn't boring by any by any means for most of it. I, it was so heavy on allegory. It felt like, what is this like a Garden of Eden? And then the people right. kind of 
rather than taking the forbidden fruit, they stop eating the forbidden blue or whatever, and they wake up and then they have conflicts between them and then they need to set up society. And what I was getting stuck on were just the bigger questions of the universe we're living in. And you shouldn't get stuck on those questions. You should be able to set aside those more logical things in a well-written movie like this. I'm thinking, well, is everyone on earth doomed? Did they already die? And if they did, why is it so important to send, you know, 20 or so people to try to inhabit a new planet? Why do we care what happens if Mm -hmm. the earth's getting destroyed? Um, But let's say the earth was destroyed and they decided to do this. Why do they care that the people be docile? Why are they still trying to control people on this mission from beyond the grave? Why wouldn't you want them to bring their humanness with them if you want to colonize another planet and see if the right if the what kind of world are on? they seeding? Yeah. Right. Why do they want this like strange animatron kind of society? Why have why have these young people never asked any questions? And it's so inhuman that they would not thrive. They would all be depressed living in these little pods and apart from society and they'd be you know suspicious of authority this idea that they just yeah okay shoot us off into space and we'll just fly for 85 years and we'll die and that'll be great nobody would feel that way that's that's inhuman right. and then there's this mystery about weapons on board and the fact that there are weapons on board is hidden from them but they find it and there are right. these guns i guess for the third generation 3d printed guns that look like they right. weigh four ounces yeah right yeah so, i guess so yeah. so it's a plot device i guess to be able to menace one another on board once they find these weapons but i was curious what did people know about the planet where they were going mm-hmm. are there creatures to subdue right. that they just were never told about i, I thought that was kind of interesting mm-hmm. and so in the final moments i mean no, no surprises here uh, we do finally reach the world, the other world, when people are old and, you know, just looking out and wonder, well, what happens when they arrive? What right. do, do they succeed besides getting there? What will they find there? I find I found that to be kind of more interesting than whatever was happening on the mm-hmm. ship. That was that was child's play. That was middle school. Right. That, they, yeah. they invented foot races and had strange physical encounters with one another but they didn't know what to do i found the allegory and the insights into man's inhumanity to man to be unbearable because you can have a a sci-fi allegory and it can be ya that's fine there's different audiences out there um but you usually have a central allegory and then in, in, in a setting and it's got a twist or it's got something where you build on it and then you build a satisfying story on it this movie just kind of moves from one obvious tortured allegorical stance to another one, to another one. And they heighten until it's like, maybe you have the alien in you. Maybe you do. I'm Donald Trump. I'm a fear monger. I'm right. whoever I'm, a you know, I'm, and it's like, so it just was like, so tiresome by that point. And it really just devolved. And then, and then the fact that they're making all these things about, are, are we, is that just our nature? Are we just evil and wicked? Oh, no, it turns out if we just shoot the right person out the airlock, sorry, spoiler, we're fine. And then, <laughs> then the rest the rest of us decide to be good. And then Christ, a fur, gets sucked out <laughs> as well. But don't worry, he comes right back right. To, to lead us all. Right. But really not, through through his bride. Yeah. Um, leads the people... And then yeah. they become good at sex, 
and <laughs> they become good at having children on a spaceship. And these children thrive, you know, without any and nobody feels earth left or out. air has or place. water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, everybody's great. Um, everyone is beautiful. Um, of of many nations of the earth living in peace and harmony. All the best looking nations. Right. And I just feel like does does no one have any problems? Is no one struggling with the fact that they haven't been able to breathe real air or mm-hmm. touch water or you know yeah. feel the earth beneath their feet? Isn't that kind of a necessity? Aren't aren't we bound to the earth in a lot of ways that we can survive, yeah. you know, underwater for a time or even out in space for a time, but not for a lifetime. Right. All these questions you're asking are much more interesting than the like interpersonal I agree. drama of the teenagers. Yeah. What is it like to settle a new world? I don't want to continue this movie because I didn't like the characters and I don't feel like it, it earned the story going on, but the more, the most interesting thing in the movie is the bunch of, you know, grandparents with their little babies, grandchildren looking out the window at the end of the movie at this new world. That's where the big questions are, but no, you know, the hot, the hot ones got together and got rid of the bad dude. And it's all cool now. Right. And I mean, is it safe to have fire in space in, in the ship? It doesn't seem like it would be. No, probably not. Why aren't people more panicked? Because I feel like exploring the dynamics of what happens on a journey like this is interesting. Mm -hmm. The idea that they've been bred and groomed for this, that's not interesting. Mm -hmm. That they would come to life and have interpersonal conflicts, that's Mm -hmm. not interesting. I think if you were like 16 and you like hated grownups and you were just discovering the idea of autonomy, this might be an exciting movie. And if you were like, if your hormones were raging and the people in the movie were like appropriate for your age, you, that's the only scenario I could see where maybe you would just buy into it. Maybe think, we're just old. Yeah, at the age of 40, I think I've just finished puberty. And <laughs> congratulations. I, I think that I'm a stale old piece of toast. And, and I just sort of wonder what might have been of this mm-hmm. of this premise rather than what was yeah it's been too long now since i saw high life with a robert pattinson movie that i think was a um oh what's the director's name i don't know did you catch high life when it came out no i don't think it's so. not the same story but it is a much better psychological thriller about people who are in on a space cruiser and it's about generations passing. So it has similar themes, but it's a grown up movie with an artistic eye and it's, it's much better to watch than Voyagers. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I'm done talking about that movie forever. The other thing we saw was Jacob's wife. Uh, I'm will, I have it in front of me if you want me to keep going or would you like to take the, uh, the lead on this one? Dan? Um, I can take the lead on it, switch it up. Switching it on up, Jacob's Wife, Jacob with a K, is a 2021 American horror thriller. It's directed and produced by Travis Stevens, who is also one of the co-authors, along with Kathy Charles and Mark Steensland, starring Barbara Crampton, has kind of a a legacy in Mm -hmm. horror tales, Larry Fassenden and Bonnie Ahrens. And 
what's going on in this movie is that there is this conservative pastor named Jacob and his wife. And she appears to be meek and submissive at the beginning, but she decides to go out and meet up with an old boyfriend. And there is a moment of romance rekindled between them. And I guess from this sin, um, uh, vampire gets her is that what we're to understand we're still in allegory country yeah and she becomes a vampire and comes into her own liberation and having her consciousness being raised that she doesn't want to be this submissive pastor's wife anymore uh much to the consternation of her husband who has suddenly lost having his whole world shattered um I feel like this film very much takes a t- hard turn in the second half and becomes a different kind of movie, or at least it wasn't clear to me the kind of movie it was trying to be in the first half, because a lot of the their um, difficulties as a couple is what's going on at the beginning. But then he kind of becomes a partner and co-conspirator with her in helping her live out her vampireness mm-hmm. in the second half. And I feel like the horror comedy elements come out in the second half that to me were not apparent from what we were supplied in the first half. I, I think the tone was was way off in the first part, mm-hmm. that it was taking itself mm-hmm. more seriously. I wasn't sure how to take the characters. I couldn't tell who the main characters even were. I, I had a hard time finding my footing with the movie, yeah. but ultimately I think it came off more of what it was trying to be. <clears throat> yeah I'm, I'm with you there um i think yeah what you're describing about that shift and about where things eventually go i think is what i like most about the movie Me too uh, i like the those two lead performances and i like what the movie ultimately explores about the complication of relationships that evolve and and have to navigate you know massive life, changes in life with uh, which is interesting from a movie that seems like it's just going to be a female empowerment allegory plus vampire and has it would have a simple ending it doesn't and i like that the character of the of jacob doesn't just end up being this caricatured asshole he's a deeply flawed not great husband but he gets this interesting role that goes on way past the point in the movie where i would have thought he even would have a role so mm-hmm. uh that i admired there's a lot of other problems i think with the movie i think it's like you said, its genre is a little bit it, it's uh, i think tone is really the issue the genre is what the genre is the tone uh, has a little bit of of issue and i think uh, there's also some budget issues i think as strong as those front performances are there's some small performances that are not so great and make some of it feel like sci-fi channel movie kind of stuff absolutely the whole vampire character was rough yeah i thought and i thought we needed a little mythology because at first I thought, have you been possessed by Satan? I, I thought since he's a pastor, right? I thought that there was some sort of uh, Christian narrative mythology here. No, it's yeah. it's just a vampire. Well, who is this vampire? Where would they come from? Why right. why do they prey on this town? And there, yeah, there is there's territory today for a low budget horror movie that does kind of retro effects and Mm -hmm. practical effects and doesn't have a big budget. That's fine. A lot of people successfully do that. But I felt like 
when this creature was yeah there's not there's not good world building there's not a good mythology then you have like when they're teasing the creature it's this weird puppet that i didn't think worked mm-hmm. very well and then when it's a full-on person it was all it's kind of laughable right and it looks too much like so bad it looks too much like Nosferatu yeah. and the va- the vampire from Salem's Lot, the Stephen mm. King miniseries thing. That it's like, well, that's it's not original, and then it's a really bad version of that. So that didn't help. Yeah, but I yet agree. there's a lot that I like. I almost wish that it had been made backwards in a way that they could have seen what they had in the second half, and then mm-hmm. reshot the first half with the same tone and style, mm-hmm. because she was so oppressed and he was such a jerk in the beginning. I felt like this was a a domestic drama of, of abuse and, and it ended up being kind of this laughable buddy comedy of how do you help your wife be a vampire in the contemporary world? Yeah. And while I do like that, he gets nuanced to his character and that his role goes where I didn't expect it to go there probably needed to be more of a reckoning with his character. He needed to confront who he was and had been, and he apologizes to her in certain ways, but yeah, I didn't, this felt like rough in the writing and in the, in the filmmaking. Yeah. But, um, interesting enough, it's, it's sitting there streaming and, um, I think I had to pay five or six bucks to see it. I don't know if I'd recommend it even at that, but, uh, if if it's easy to see it and you're interested, it's, was it on shutter? I think it might be on Shutter. That's not where I saw it. I saw it on Voodoo or Amazon or something. Me too. And this is the second time that after I've paid for something, I've discovered that I have a subscription to it and Uh, my Roku does not bring up subscription choices, mm -hmm. only only pay choices. Hmm. So now I have to know actually where do I look for this and not to just search it out generally on my Roku. Mm -hmm. It does mention Shutter here on the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, do you, so you do subscribe to Shutter? Yeah. I should probably do that with the amount of horror that I watch lately. But I've enjoyed oh, I... I've enjoyed it because it, you just get the most random titles that I never have heard of, and you just try it. I uh, have to go take care of this ridiculous work thing, but if I can throw one little tidbit here at the end, mm-hmm. I I watched a movie, uh, another. Oh, uh, I'm not going to say classic because it sucks, but I watched an old horror movie this week, and I didn't tell you about it. Because I forgot it first, and then when I watched it, it was so aggressively unpleasant. I watched a movie called Terror Train mm. from 1980, starring uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, I think I've seen that. Uh, oh my god, I watched it because it was another recommendation. It's from great, some podcast yeah. or something. Oh, you loved it? No, it's terrible. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, I, th- I thought it was one of the most aggressively unpleasant, grimy, yep. ugly. I mean, I I kind of had a good time hate watching it, but. Uh, it's so miscalculated. It's so ugly. It's got like the, it's everything like the worst of what 1980 would offer up right. in a, in a teener horror movie. Right. Like all uh, the teens, like taking a train is supposed to be fun. Right. And there's like a party right. on the train. It's a graduation yeah. uh-huh. yep. party. I totally seen that. There's, there's a revenge. There's somebody who was, they pranked years before in medical right. school right. and then just convoluted how this person gets back at them. And it's just not, it's, it's filmed so uh, horribly. They're all wearing these hideous rubber masks. Uh, I, I found it so unpleasant. Uh, don't watch it unless you want to. Or do. Or, yeah, go for it. But leave me out of it, I guess is what I'm saying. There you go. All right, Dan, anything else for us to address? I don't think so. I think we made it through. All right. 
and I'll let you address your work crisis. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We will be back. We are Dan and Josh, and you can follow us both at Twitter uh, and Letterboxd. Our music's by Jonah Rapino. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.